Today, we are going to discuss the business case for equity, diversity, and inclusion. Welcome to Exclusion, a podcast that explores all things equity, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace. Hello and welcome to our first podcast. This is kind of exciting. Isn't it, Marcy? Woohoo! Yeah, <laughs> it's very exciting. It's been a long time in the coming. That's a, in the creation, anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for joining us today. Yes. So before we start, we figured we'd do a little introduction. So, Marcy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. My name is Marcy, and I came from the international human rights field, working at the UN Human Rights Council, various NGOs, and for federal and provincial governments um, across Canada. I have a master's degree uh, from Syracuse University in international conflict resolution, and I focused my consulting practice on gender mainstreaming and creating inclusive, happy, and high-performing workplaces that spark belonging in employees in all sectors. What about you, Alicia? Tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I have definitely a different background than you. (laughs) Uh, I'm a geologist by trade. I spent um, over 15 years within the resource sector, mostly working in Western Canada, but I have worked um, in the United States and actually in um, Africa, mostly Nigeria in my past. Uh, but as of late, I've, I've done a little bit of a left turn. I went back and got a degree in human geography here at the University of Calgary, uh, focusing on feminist geography, which basically looked at uh, corporate culture and equity, diversity, and inclusion, specifically on professional STEM women. And I own my own consulting company as well called Biard Consulting, and I'm looking at innovative thought within the resource sector and beyond. Wonderful. All right. Now, before we begin, in the spirit of respect, reciprocity, and truth, we acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded on the traditional territories and oral practices of the Treaty 7 region in Southern Alberta and Region 3, Métis Nation. We acknowledge all nations, Indigenous and non, who live, work, and play on these lands, and to all who assist in their stewardship for generations to come. Okay, let's get started. We decided to start this podcast journey, Alicia and I, in order to fill an important gap that there is a lack of EDI best practices to share. Because we've all heard of the bad stories, from sexual harassment lawsuits, pay inequality, inadequate HR policies, to companies simply not having any EDI policies in place. But it is rare to be able to listen and learn from the stories of those organizations and companies that are excelling at EDI and making a real positive impact. So we decided to amplify and share these evidence-based best practices with you with the hope that you can build upon this positive momentum with practical, tactical tools to adopt in your workplace. So this exclusion podcast, uh, we aim to share these remarkable stories, hopefully about twice a month. Um, And at the end of each episode, we will summarize the key takeaways 
and provide you with the tools and insights so you can make uh, a difference not only in your life but in your workplace. And we're going to try to make them pretty short, uh, somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes um, as we've done a bit of research and we've found out that that's usually about the time that it takes someone to commute to work. So we're going to try to make sure that our podcast fits within your commute. Mm-hmm. And our goal is to create happier, healthier, and inclusive workplaces for all. So let's share what we what has worked and what hasn't worked. And maybe we can build on some successes and gain some momentum. So our topic of conversation today is making the case for EDI. So we wanted to start with the basics, to lay a foundation, to answer the questions of what is EDI, why is it important, and why should I or my workplace do something about it? So first off, EDI is equity, diversity, and inclusion. And our recognition of EDI is intersectional in nature and focuses on not just women, but also men and non-binary genders and a variety of other identity factors, including LGBTQ2S+, Indigenous people, peoples with varying physical or mental abilities, ages, cultures, ethnicities, religions, geographic locations, etc., etc. And our focus is primarily on people and how to understand each of our unique needs in order to promote inclusion. Absolutely. And before we move on, I should mention that we we realize that we ourselves only have a certain intersection and we are not going to know um, best practices or or other people's perspectives um, without actually talking to those people. So we hope to make sure that uh, we don't just speak of these these intersections, but also to um, allow people to bring their own voices. So hopefully we will will be successful with that. And and please let us know if if there's better ways that we can add a voice that we may forget or 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 not realize that we're not including. So what is inclusion? So inclusion is about creating a workplace where your employees are not just included, but feel that they belong. We have a diverse province and country, and a lot of our workplaces are already diverse. Um, and we want to make sure we can help these workplaces create inclusive environments. And why do we want to do this? Because an inclusive environment will cat- be a catalyst uh, to better benefits, and um, and really diverse diversity can can lead to innovation and and hopefully a change in within with a greater society. Wonderful. So. So now, why is this important, and why should it matter to you? Did you know that if you are the only woman in a pool of job applicants, that statistically, you have essentially no chance of being hired? And that men are more likely than women to pretend to be working long hours? Or that over 55% of women in senior leadership positions have experienced sexual harassment in their career? And this ranges from hearing sexist jokes to being touched in an inappropriately sexual way. And that actually extends beyond sexual harassment and becomes sexual assault. But according to the UN, women do 2.6 times more unpaid care in domestic work than men globally. (laughs) And did you know that we committed to achieve gender equality as per the UN Sustainable Development Goals by 2030? and that no country in the world will actually achieve this commitment. Gender equality has stalled. Let's just let that marinate a little. Gender equality 
has stalled. That's depressing. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. But there are an endless supply of challenges and biases that women and other diverse populations experience on a daily basis in the workplace and at home. But for the sake of this podcast, we'll mostly just try to focus on the workplace. Now, to affect change, there are survival tactics that you probably have heard about, one of the most famous being the lean-in method. And though these survival tactics are useful, they often require underrepresented groups to have a change to have to change to fit a culture, a culture where they do not feel included. Marcy, I actually did <laughs> this particular topic was part of my thesis, and we'll definitely have to dive into to lean in and some of my concerns with this method in an, in another podcast. Yes, I'd love to hear that. We should add it to our list. There are also transformative tactics, i.e., identifying the systemic barriers, hurdles and evidence of discrimination, and transforming or restructuring the system to become more equitable and to lead to equality of opportunity and outcomes. Now, two main arguments are often used uh, traditionally to promote EDI. The first one is the business case, and the second, an ethical and moral imperative. Uh, The second one will probably take a podcast on its own for sure. (laughs) But today we're going to dive into the business case. It has been proven time and time again that diversity and inclusion in your workplace results in greater innovation and creativity, as I've mentioned this before. Um, strengthening, it also strengthens financial performance, increases leadership competencies, improves satisfaction and engagement, corporate reputation, and lowers rates of turnover, all things that are beneficial to a company. It has also been found to improve responsiveness to customer needs by 31% and increased team collaboration by 42% and prevents groupthink. Ah, another topic we'll have to <laughs> do a whole po- podcast on is what is groupthink. Yeah, and that's a, that's a big mouthful, all of the benefits that diversity and inclusion brings to your workplace. And Deloitte has published that diversity and inclusion is a business imperative, which means that diversity is no longer just a program to be managed, but an overall corporation and business imperative. Absolutely. It's not just a nice to have anymore. And it also means that EDI should be should not just be siloed as an HR type initiative. It should be incorporated in everything that we do. Um, and there should be an overreaching priority and tools to modernize a workplace and catalyze innovation, inclusion, and profits. And there's definitely an urgency and public push for EDI to reflect the demographic shifts in the workforce. So as Alicia mentioned, our workplace is very diverse, and it's increasingly becoming more diverse as more women, racial and ethnic minorities, LGBTQ2S plus individuals, veterans, and people with disabilities as they enter the workforce Organizations are now challenged to find new ways to create a more dynamic and inclusive environment, one that can foster engagement, innovation, and drive performance. There is also a growing generation gap to consider. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, by the year 2025, millennials will make up 75% of the workforce. Wow. Many millennials are foreign-born, biracial, uh, may have maybe LGBTQ as plus, 
and they define diversity differently from previous generations. For them, diversity is a given. They just assume that companies have already taken this into account. So when they aren't taking it into account, it quite surprises this generation. Uh, and it's important because it's these individuals have a unique mix of experiences, identities, ideas, and opinions, at more than just single straits of being millennials. So it's important to think of people <laughs> for much more than their labels. Now, the business case for EDI has existed for 15 years already. This is not something that's new. But some may ask, why haven't we've been able to get past this already? Why have we stalled? How come organizations aren't effect effectively hearing this? Mm -hmm. Well, I think there are a few theories. Um, it could be because the business case research that is widely available is too broad and does not provide tailored statistics for specific sectors or industries. Um, another possibility is that the topic has traditionally been siloed and understood only as an HR type issue. And in general, I think that there has been a push for diversity alone, a strong push for diversity, and it has limited the focus of EDI work only on recruitment and hiring. And in all seriousness, we have not perfected these areas yet by any means, but this push has siloed it within one specific area of an organization when it really needs to be integrated across the entire organization and incorporated into all plans and priorities in order to unlock the immense benefits from having the diverse workforce through a sense of belonging or inclusion. So essentially, EDI needs to be integrated into existing systems and processes within a company to be effective, easily adopted, properly evaluated, and sustainable. Marcy, there's also been discussion and um, a thought that maybe the resistance is associated to our overall general traditional patriarchal society. Do you fear that maybe corporations are not willing or ready to address this topic yet or to prioritize them? Yes, definitely. And I think traditionally this has definitely been the case. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, recent research by McKinsey found that the business case is actually what resonates the most with senior leadership in an organization to actually shift and get them to commit to doing something and to take action on EDI. So that's a huge improvement. And we're starting to see that organizations are realizing it is um, that EDI is good for business. And there are plenty of websites and resources out there that can assist you in your business or in your company in drafting this comprehensive business case to be uh, effective and to be tailored to uh, your industry and your workplace. So are you saying then that by showing them how it affects their bottom line, that is definitely a strategy that might might help push this forward? Yes, definitely. They can't ignore that. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? But yes, we will definitely post uh, some links in our podcast summary uh, so that you can you yourself can research into this further. Yeah, and, and what we have found that they all have in common is that they must be an articulation of why EDI is important to your workplace. What does it mean for you? And there must be a clear rationale to then be able to justify the how and what you're going to do about it. Um, but this business case has to be directly linked to your organization's goals, priorities, and plans to be easily understood and implemented. 
So a business case will definitely change from, say, a corporation to a corporation or an industry to an industry then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But I, I would assume, yeah. though, we could have some basic underlying components, though. Mm-hmm. For sure. And you can always use um, kind of the statistics that we mentioned earlier, too, and we'll post online about the general benefits of EDI. Okay, perfect. Um, what's also impor- important to identify is why does it matter to your organization? Or more importantly, if you're the one who's going to push it, why does it matter to you to make the change within your organization? Uh, and, and one of the ways to, to analyze this is to, to look at your existing data. Um, what does diversity look like in your organization right now? What is the snapshot right now? Often this data can be located through your HR department. Uh, these are some of the statistics they may already be recording. And if they're not recording, it's something that you can, can maybe ask to have done. Uh, but if you don't have an HR department, and I know I, I'm in more of the STEM world, and if you don't want to know what STEM is, that's um, science, technology, engineering, and math. There's many corporations that actually don't have HR companies within the, these sectors. Uh, but professionals like Marcy and I can, can help gather this data within your company. More specific audits audits can include topics such as gender and diversity uh, of your employees and programs. This will help lay the foundation for an argument to why and how the organization organization needs to improve. You don't know where you want to be if you don't know where you already are. Also, why does it matter to your customers, your stakeholders, your investors? Some EDI requirements are now government mandated as well. So for example, if you are part of the federal contractors program, you have to to send various um, statistics to to the federal government in order to receive funding. Uh, whereas other situations, it's strongly encouraged. So if even if it's not d- demanded yet for some of these statistics, uh, it could definitely help you with uh, long-term funding or um, to receive certain projects by having the data on hand. Exactly. And whether you're a nonprofit or a university even, if you receive any federal or provincial government funding, um, currently you will be asked about your EDI initiatives. And what you must ask is, do you want your organization to be competitive in our diverse world? Your business case should be short, easy to understand, and provide the rationale and vision for your organization to move then to a strategic action plan to begin the transformative change. And just like that, our time is up, man. Wow, that was fast. <laughs> it was pretty fast, doesn't it? I, th- I think it took us 10 times longer to prepare for yeah. this first one than it did to actually record it. Uh, you hope you, we hope that you've enjoyed our first episode of laying the foundation for EDI success through the development and promotion of a clear EDI uh, business case. Key takeaways from this episode include... EDI is no longer a nice to have. It is a business imperative. EDI is not only an HR topic. It must be incorporated in all that we do. And your business case should be short, easy to understand for your organization to move to a strategic action plan to begin transformative change. So please hit subscribe to our podcast so you can track so we can track the number of listeners and you can receive notifications when a new episode is released. And feel free to leave a comment or send us a message so we can tailor content according to your interest. And what can you expect in upcoming episodes? Well, we have a lot planned 
and you'll hear from leading tech companies, energy companies, entrepreneurs, government, and advocates all across the EDI space. We will share with you cutting-edge EDI technologies, innovative programs, evaluation techniques that have worked really well, and how to incorporate EDI in communications and even in politics. And all of these topics will be littered with numerous best practices shared throughout. We will also share interviews with successful women in business, in STEM, politics, and commentary on the latest EDI-related happenings in the news, including sexual harassment, politics and gender, gender in the workplace, biases, communication tactics, board representation, and much more. So stay tuned. We will have tons of tips, tricks, and technologies to share with the intent to advance everything EDI in your workplace. So thank you for joining us today. And don't forget to hit subscribe. And let's continue the conversation. So until next time.